0: You can hear it in the empty theaters, in the empty stadiums. Hope is setting the stage for a comeback. When life's victories will be sweeter, we'll celebrate how far we've come and learn that all we did, we did for each other. Spread hope, not COVID. Michigan.gov slash coronavirus. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services.
1: You get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. (gasps) You can get the claim-free discount, which gives you money off your homeowner's policy if you've been claim-free for three consecutive years. Also applies for three successive years, three years straight, and what's known to insurance fans is the claim-free (laughs) three-peat. Get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are
2: farmers. bum, 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 bum. Now for the legal something. Not available in every state. Only available with select farmers' branded policies subject to terms and conditions underwritten by farmers, truck, or fire insurance exchanges or
1: affiliate. 97-1, the ticket. All right, this is a big thrill, okay? Uh, when I grew up in suburban Philadelphia in the late 60s and early 70s, like, I'm old, okay? But I used to, and this is what kids don't have today, uh, unfortunately, maybe or unfortunately. I used to listen to a lot of sporting events my radio, my clock radio. Uh And even in Philly, you'd get, like, I'd get, you know, WNBC and listen to Marv Albert do the Rangers and Lloyd Pettit do the Blackhawks. Obviously, Bruce Martin on WJR would come in, and there was a a Lloyd Pettit, Chicago Blackhawks, and there was this station in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I I would listen to Fort Wayne Comets (laughs) hockey with some guy named Bob Chase. I know they played the Muskegon Mohawks, the Port Huron Flags, Uh and lo and behold, uh, later in life, uh, our next guest actually was, I believe, the play-by-play voice for the Port Huron Flags, and that is the great, the one, the only, Mike Emrick. How you doing, Doc? I am doing wonderfully. You don't
3: sound that old, but you must be, I'm, if you remember that. Oh, yeah. Six, <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm, 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 six, I'm, I'm 61.
3: <laughs> well, I'm, I, I've got you by well over a decade. And as I sit here in, uh, in the suburbs of Port Huron, uh <laughs> above me, I have two jerseys hanging above me. One is a uh, a replica of a 1960 Fort Wayne Comets jersey, which is this, the smiling spaceman. Uh-huh. And the other one right next to it is the crossed flags, which is still worn by youth hockey teams in Port Huron to this date. Uh-huh. So aren't you all over it <laughs> to have remembered that? And Bob Chase, of course, you may know as my icon growing up. Oh, no, anyway.
1: I didn't know yeah. that.
3: Yeah, I grew up 45 miles away from Fort Wayne in a town of 600 in north-central Indiana. And our little school was like uh, any school you'd see in the movie Hoosiers. We had the compact basketball court with the stage at the end where the band sat. And at the other end was the uh, the trophy case. In our case, it was out in the hallway right near the other end. But uh, it was it was typical. There were 13 celebrities in our town of 600. The coach and the twelve varsity players.
1: <laughs> so how did that you be, was, how did you become that, fixated on hockey in such a basketball? I mean, Indiana. I mean, you mentioned Hoosiers. Yeah.
3: I went to a game, and yeah. that did it. Yeah. And I think probably a lot of your listeners that care about hockey, they saw a game live. And of course, if they grew up in in the Detroit area, why they'd see a lot of games live at a very young age, but. In that era of Indiana, we had a basketball team playing at the Allen County Coliseum called the Pistons, and they later moved to Detroit. And then we had a hockey team come in in 1952. Well, eight years later, I had pestered my parents long enough, and they took my brother and me to the game in December of 1960. And I walked into the Coliseum wanting to be a baseball announcer, and I walked out wanting to be a hockey announcer. You can kind of imagine what my... I was 14 at the time. You can imagine what my guidance counselor in high school thought when I told him down the hallway from the gym was his office, and I told him I wanted to be a professional hockey announcer. The look I got was, well, unusual.
2: (laughs) Well, Doc, having said all of that, whether as a fan, as a spectator, or as an announcer, what's the greatest game you've ever seen? I don't
3: know. There'd be about 100 um, uh, the, the night that, uh, that I, I, one of them that comes to mind really quickly was just because of the magic of the event and it was postponed for a year. So there's hope for the fans in Minnesota to have the winter classic in, in their venue a year from now, cause it's already been canceled for January 1st was that 105,000 biggest attendance ever for an outdoor game at Michigan stadium because It snowed all day. There was concern about the Maple Leafs bus getting to the game on time because it was tied up in traffic. And and of course, the snow added to it and people couldn't park on the golf course like they normally do for football games. And uh, there were traffic jams in town and it snowed all day and the game went to a shootout and it was cold. I think it was 18 at face off and nobody cared (laughs) because it was such a magnificent event and at the it normally takes me to get back here uh an hour and a half from Ann Arbor it took 4 hours and i didn't care either <laughs> there were red wings fans pitching in to help toronto fans push their car out of snowbanks and vice versa uh i i remember that toronto won the game in a shootout but there were so many magnificent plays made in the game that that didn't ruin it for Red Wings fans, probably, and not for Toronto fans either.
1: Uh, Mike Doc Emrick is with us. He's got a book called Off Mike with our good buddy Kevin Allen is the uh, the co-author. All right, so you mentioned playing games in a football stadium. Uh, you also, as we've played, we've played the clip a, a lot of times. Uh, did a game for CBS Football. It was Brett Favre's first ever pass where he completed it to himself, correct? (laughs)
3: Yes. Um, What happened was that a guy named Rick Gentile at CBS Sports maybe gave me a chance to do a lot of events that they just needed extra people for. And a brilliant announcer out of Notre Dame named Tim Ryan Uh always did the U.S. Open tennis tournament in the fall. So they needed somebody to work for two games in the fall to cover the two weeks Tim was gone. And they had just hired a guy to be uh, an analyst with Tim, who had just won Super Bowls for three different teams named Matt (laughs) Mellon. So Matt was was assigned to do the first two games with me. I hadn't done any football since I had graduated undergrad college 25 years before. Uh, We wound up in Green Bay. It was Mike Holmgren's first game as uh, the Packers coach. It was Dennis Green's first game as uh, Minnesota's coach. So we were all a bunch of rookies thrown in together, and Quad Revez kicked uh, a field goal in overtime, and Minnesota won. Now, the second game was down in Tampa Bay. By the way, it was Um, um uh, uh, Don Mikowski The magic the
1: man. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. So he was the quarterback that game, and he started the second game down in Tampa Bay. Well, things kind of went south fast. And so finally Brett came into the game. And the uh, second quarter, I believe it was. And he, of course, was pass crazy and he was good at it, though he had never completed a pass, to my recollection, in his brief stint with Atlanta. I think right. he tried four passes or five passes and had not completed any. Uh, but the first one was to himself because it ricocheted off one of the on-rushing Buccaneers uh, linemen. And came into his own arms for a, a little bit of a loss it's on YouTube. And I was just trying to recall who the, uh, who the Buccaneers player was that was coming in on him that that got a piece of it. But uh, so that is one of those things that was an accident on, on my part. I was just right place, right time to watch a guy that became historic and legendary um, trot onto the field in a Packers uniform for the very first time.
1: Now, yeah, announcers are never supposed to root or care who wins. I'm curious, being a proud citizen of the United States, when the United States mm-hmm. played Canada in Vancouver for the, uh, for the gold medal, were you, it was one of the great games of all time. Crosby scores the uh, overtime goal. Were you bummed a little bit?
3: No, because I, I thought um, that the one thing we, we were cautioned about, if we had any leaning that way at all, uh and the phrase used was jingoistic (laughs) that we were not to cheer for the united states in any competitions in any of the sports in the olympics and we were reminded of that every time we had a seminar before the olympics took place now you realize that you know you're a pretty cold fish if you don't care uh how things turn out but by the same token we were celebrating great hockey that day, yes. and it still stands in my memory as one of the great events that I ever saw. Uh, and I'll try to condense this into 30 seconds, because I'm sure you have drive time on Thursday, you've got commercials. So here it is. <laughs> Best about hockey, outcome in doubt, last minute of play, goaltender pulled, Zach Parisi scores out of a netmouth scramble, game goes to overtime, Crosby scores to win it, Afterwards, we carry interviews with both Crosby and Ryan Miller, and both of them were eloquent in what they had to say. They were great gentlemen. Twenty seven million people, the most that we ever had, saw that. And most uh, most of them may have been hockey fans, but not all of them were. And I think it was a great statement made for people that hadn't seen hockey before.
2: So for those that haven't seen hockey before, whether it's the NHL, it's peewee hockey, it's college hockey, or the Olympics, what's the difference in all of those broadcasts, and is there a commonality in, in all those different levels?
3: No, you just, if, if you love the sport, it, it's not selling the sport. It's just it's just expressing the love you have for it and the, and the sacrifice that people have made to get to this level Um uh, you know there're probably a lot of hockey moms and dads listening right now that that are nodding their heads over a cup of coffee they know what it's like because you get sometimes the worst ice times in the morning as a kid is growing up and has this dream of playing and maybe maybe he never plays beyond youth hockey but he just you know he or she just loves being out on the ice and playing and so the parents support them with that And it doesn't matter what level it is. And uh, you may go no beyond, uh, not even beyond 14 years of age, but you look back on it and say, I played that sport when I was young.
1: Well, one of the great things about uh, you is your vocabulary and the words that you've come up with to describe different things, passes, things like, I don't know if feather was yours, but do you have a favorite And, and another question? I don't know if this was yours. When did the boards turn into the wall? Uh, that's a coaching
3: phrase, oh, okay. and I didn't. I didn't really adopt that very often. Uh, <laughs> I still refer to the boards, and once in a while, the wall, just to change the language a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, early nineties, I think I started hearing coaches say that, yeah. and uh, they started referring to it as the wall. Uh, years before, when it was individual boards, and you may see old pictures of. Gordy Howstick handling along the the boards at Olympia Stadium, and you see the individual slats, mm-hmm. and uh, so it was called the fence at one time, and even in even in old rule books, NHL rule books, it was referred to as a fence. Well, it's probably because it had individual slats in it, <laughs> so that's probably why it was. But no, I don't have any favorite ones. Um, I think probably an archaic one that is attributed to me, but others used it, too, was waffle board. And that is only now uh, archaic because the, the blocker that a goaltender holds is no longer brown. It's, right. it's, uh-huh. it's team colors now, and it doesn't look like a waffle from the rivets anymore because it's not brown anymore. So I, I don't use it very often anymore.
2: Doc, you mentioned at the beginning Bob Chase was your icon, um, and to uh, those of us that have listened to hockey or listened to all other sports, you would be one of the icons for us. As you look around now or you listen to games, who are some of the announcers that, that you enjoy listening to in today's sports landscape?
3: Well, uh I I've, I've got a chance to work next to Bob Costas and I always like his call of baseball now that Vin Scully has retired and I I was not a Tigers fan, but when you and and I think when I've I've even been up in Escanaba and places like that and and gone into hotels and I see a picture of Ernie Harwell speaking to a service club in Escanaba and I'm thinking, This guy is like Gordy Howe was. He was such an ambassador. He was all over the state of Michigan. And uh, I always enjoyed his call, especially on opening day when he would talk about the voice of the turtle dove being heard in the land and, and quoting the Bible uh, annually every year. And uh, Bob Prince, the uh, lopsided uh, home Homer announcer in Pittsburgh, sold me on on my favorite team, the Pirates, years ago. But of the guys now, I, I of course, enjoy Al Michaels doing football and uh, Bob Costas doing baseball. I guess they would be uh, among my favorites. Uh, I, I've listened to Marv Alberts so, for so many years doing basketball and the yes call whenever a ball goes swishing through the he net. Was a, but he I, was
1: a great Ranger announcer. He used to do that show, too, this week in the NHL. You know, he, yeah. he, he was he was amazing. Locally, I mean— The two Kens are pretty damn good, too, right, Paul, Oh,
3: yeah, and what you have locally is not only excellence but stability. Do you know that the tandem of uh, Ken and Paul and Ken and Mickey are the longest-serving two tandems in their media in the league? Wow. And you have that, and you have one that's almost 25 years and one that's just short of 25 years, and that's stability and that's predictability, and so the fans know that... The fortunes of the team may change, as they have, but those guys are going to be together year after year, and that's, that's refreshing, and it's also comfortable to have those announcers and, and knowing that they're going to be there each year.
1: All right, a couple of uh, quick things before we let you go. Um, I always have this argument with uh, one of uh, our, our producers who's, uh, who's with us about the greatest of all time, he says, Gretzky. You argue
3: with producers?
1: Yes, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm older. I say yeah. Bobby Orr. He says mm-hmm. Gretzky. Who's right? Because I think Orr changed the game more than anybody.
3: Well, I think you, uh, you know, I, I defer to some of those guys, but I also defer to my own preference. Gee how. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And here's why. In my case, for me, and I'm the guy making the call because you asked me to.
1: Yes, you make the call.
3: He, his, <laughs> his style of play sold me on the sport. Now, granted, I was watching at an earlier time than you were, but what I admired about Gordie Howe were a number of things. One, his ability to score. Two, his ability to play make; Three, his ruggedness. Four, occasionally he fought, although the Gordie Howe hat trick is probably overdone because he didn't fight that much. And five, the fact that he was such a gentleman away from the ice. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the two guys you mentioned fit the definition in my mind of an ambassador. The ambassadors for sports, and in particular hockey, were guys that were the epitome of playing skill, And in our sport, because there are only two bilingual cities, Ottawa and Montreal, they had to have English or at least a working knowledge of English and be able to use it well. And three, they had to be able to do it every day. And those guys you mentioned fit that bill because they did it every day in all of the cities whenever the five o'clock news needed a guy and and they they eventually in gretzky's case they had to hire a guy to tell people no now and then because there were so many demands and wayne would always say yes um and so that's uh you you've picked two good guys and depending on the era i think you would probably be right but in my era the guy that i think was the best was how And when I had the privilege of hosting a roundtable that included, three years ago, that included Orr and Gratsky, and Mario Lemieux and Sidney Crosby and Jonathan Taves, uh, the two that you mentioned concluded that it was Hal.
1: Wow. Well, they they would know better than me. Uh, Doc, thank you so much. Uh, The book is off, Mike, with our good buddy, uh, Kevin Allen. It's just been a... A Pleasure, and uh, I don't know. Since you you, you live uh, about an hour and a, an hour from here, maybe one day go up there, have some lunch or something. I just would have to, to sit around and talk old hockey for years, hours.
3: Well, I might. Uh, once we get uh, through this kind yes. of dilemma, I'm um, yeah. I, I certain I will get down to see the Red Wings play good because I admire some of the changes that Steve Iserman has made. I think it will at least uh, enable them to win 10 more games, which may still not get them in the playoffs. It may. It's hard to know, but at least it will improve the team. And I will look forward to watching them in person uh, because I like seeing Ken and Ken and all of those guys down there too. So we may see each other in the press room. And as you know, the press room food at LCA is really good.
1: (laughs) Yes, it is. Thanks, Doc. Doc, thank you very much.
3: Okay.
1: All right, that's, good. that's Doc Emmerich, the icon, the yeah. great one. 97-1, the ticket. You get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. You can get the claim-free discount, which gives you money off your homeowner's policy if you've been claim-free for three consecutive years. Also applies for three successive years, three years straight, and what's known to insurance fans is to claim-free 3 peak. Get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS.
2: We are farmers, from the. Now for the legal something. Not available in every state. Only available with select farmers' branded policy subject to terms and conditions Underwritten by farmers, truck, or fire insurance. Exchanges or affiliate. You can hear it
0: in the empty theaters. In the empty stadiums. Hope is setting the stage for a comeback. When life's victories will be sweeter. We'll celebrate how far we've come. And learn that all we did, we did for each other. Spread hope not COVID, michigan.gov slash coronavirus. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services.